Hey guys, welcome back to Coach's Cradle Podcast. This is Brennan Sweeney. Today's guest is Andrew Wentz from High Point University. Andrew is an Olympic coach for the High Point Panthers, mainly dealing with men's lacrosse and women's volleyball. Andrew has a great background in building strength in himself and his athletes, and he's got a lot of insights on how to do that with college athletes. Without further ado, here's Andrew Wentz. Andrew, thank you for for being on. I want to start with you just giving a rundown of of where you've been and who you are and maybe a little bit about High Point because it's a little bit of a hidden gem in the middle of no I should say middle of nowhere, but High Point isn't kind of in the middle of nowhere. Absolutely. Kind of in the middle of nowhere outside Greensboro. High Point, if you look it up on Wikipedia, I'm sure high point university isn't what you would picture so if you want to give a little rundown of that and then we can get going here yeah absolutely so uh i i did my undergraduate work at eastern michigan Um, i myself was a a hammer thrower on the track team Um, so coming into lacrosse for me was learning a whole new sport but from there i graduated went to lsu for a master's um, got into powerlifting and then uh, moved up here to be with my now wife and so when I was up here, or I'm sorry, prior to that, I was at Southern University in Baton Rouge. Uh, I loved it, had a great time. It's very similar to A&T, uh, just Baton Rouge version. And uh, then moved up here to be with my now wife. I interned at UNC Greensboro for a while, and then COVID hit. And then so when COVID finally let up, I started interning at Wake Forest and then got the job here at High Point. And you're absolutely right. It is uh, a hidden gem more or less in the middle of nowhere. Like Greensboro is always going to overshadow High Point as a city. Um, so really, unless unless you're in the world where High Point is predominant, you're not going to know it's here. Uh, it is, it's very, it's a country club. Uh, it's yeah. fenced off. And part of that is because like in any, in any big city, um, there's parts of town that aren't great. So High Point itself is fenced off. Uh, but there's fountains everywhere. Every every building is new and nice and big. Um, if they can, they have all the newest technology. And if they don't have it, it'll be coming soon. And you can guarantee that. <clears throat> uh, we just opened uh, the Quebain Arena for the basketball team, which has all the new technology you could possibly want. There's a, a hotel in it. There's a conference center in it, uh, as well as a new weight room. It's and everything like i said new and and gorgeous yeah it's it's mind-blowing every time i drive on campus i feel so uncomfortable just being around there because i'm like Mm. um i just i just do i need a membership to be here whatnot you do you actually do (laughs) yeah yeah and even talking to some of the students whatever their complaints are it's always overshadowed with well i think the university just built another fountain instead of doing this so you're right about the fountains. I, I hear so much about these damn fountains. But you had said you're a powerlifter yourself. And if mm-hmm. you check your Instagram, went strong. There's a lot of footage and proof that you certainly are a meathead. That so when we talk about overall strength and building some of that, you're mm-hmm. working with a lot of Olympic athletes that may have not had a huge background in the gym and so Mm -hmm. what is your favorite tools to implement when it comes to building strength i mean 
my favorite tools are the ones that work. Mm -hmm. So like people have been squatting athletes for years. We know it works. People have been using the Olympic lifts on athletes for years. We know it works. Um, so I take a lot of the same principles that I use for myself and the powerlifting clients that I've worked with because it gets them strong. So on a base level, that's where I start with all of that. And then I look at it, okay, they're lacrosse. They need to be fast. They need to be powerful. Now, how do we build that in now that I know they're strong enough, they can handle that loading. And that's where I'll implement the Olympics. And uh, if you, if you know anything about West side barbell and the conjugate method, there is a speed component there that I use with my guys and they may or may not fully understand it and that's fine but ultimately we have a heavy day we have a speed day and our speed days to help build power and build that strength while moving quickly um, and then like i said add the olympics then on top of that and now you've got the power component and it's also building that speed um, so my favorite tools are the ones that work that's that's the easiest answer yeah, talk to me about your process when it comes to using some of these strategies. Mm -hmm. Do you try them out on yourself before you take it into the weight room for your athletes, or are they more or less your guinea pigs for using programs? A little of both. So a lot of the framework of how I program this exercise before this exercise before this exercise, that has come from myself and, like I said, my powerlifting clients. Um, because I, I found that to be the best way to manage stress and also um, combine for the appropriate adaptations. Power before strength, before speed, before accessories. Now, some of the smaller things, and I'll give you an example. Some of the smaller things that I use, they were my guinea pigs. Um, I started this, this fall when I got here using manual heel elevated work, which I got the concept from Cal Dietz. Um, and his foot training, which I'm not even going to pretend that I'm smart enough to explain it to you, but I got the concept from him and adapted it to something I could understand. And so mm -hmm. for things like hip thrusts or split squats, they're in that position, have them picked their heel up. So now they're applying force through this heel elevated position, just like you would if you're sprinting. So I had them test that out first, um, before I had gotten around to it. And I got a lot of good feedback, whether or not it actually works. I don't know. They think it works. I think it works. That's good enough for me. Right. Yeah. And talking about that West side method where it's heavy speed, and then we even throw a power day on top of it. I'm sure mm -hmm. some of the athletes or yourself when you're testing it out um, can wake up pretty, pretty sore the next day. So how do you kind of balance around that? high low model that you're jumping around with is there any recovery work that you felt has helped out when it comes to new athletes figuring out the weight room or do you just kind of throw them in there so the the two a yes i throw in a lot of recovery work so on our our heavy day right on our max effort work that's going to be every time it's going to be a heavy squat right with very little very little exceptions to that so they're going to do a lot of upper body accessories that day to manage that load. They're also gonna have stretching built into the, the workout for the day. Um, I don't leave that for the end. I don't leave that for them to do on their own. There's at least one, sometimes two or three stretches built into the, the program. That way throughout the course of that lift, they're getting some stretching in to do that. Um, and then we'll come back on that middle day because for lacrosse, I've gotten them for three days. So that's gonna be our low intensity day. 
that's where they're going to do a lot of light accessory work to get blood moving, get some of that recovery back into them there. Um, and then there was another part to that question. Repeat that, please. No, I think you answered that pretty well. Okay. It was just, do you do recovery or just screw them over, which I think you explained that pretty well. But I, I've also found that works a lot better throwing the recovery or the stretch, the mobility in between the sets yeah. works way better. And it also helps regulate the intensity of the lifts as well, because they can take yeah. as long as they want in that mobility. Even if they don't like it, they're going to milk it a little bit more so that they have a little bit more rest time. And, you know, Correct. it ends up, it ends up working out for everyone. If you throw a little bit of uh, a bretzel in there or right. something like that, that helps regulate that lift. Um, and so when we talked earlier, you had talked about your use of APRE. Can you explain APRE Correct. just simply and then maybe how you like to plug it into your systems? Yes, you're absolutely right. And that was the other part to the previous question that I was going to go over and got mm -hmm. sidetracked and forgot. Um, so it's not true APRE. So if you've ever read the book uh, from, I believe, Brian Mann. Yeah, Brian Mann. Um, he's got three levels and it's, a, I think, a three, six and ten. Yeah. And if you get so many reps, you go up. If you get this many reps, you stay at that same weight. And if you don't, if you get less than this many reps, you, you drop weight. And I use a very similar, similar approach. Um, but it's like I said, it's not the true APRE is written in that I'm going to use. So I want them to build muscle, right? So we're going to use eight to 12 reps. If you can get 12 reps, stop, right? I don't want you doing 13 or more. I want you to stop at 12, but you got 12. You're going to go up and wait on that next set. 8, 9, 10, 11, I want you to stay there. That's a good working weight for you because you didn't get 12, which was the goal. And then, of course, if you get under 8, I don't want you going up. I need you to drop down because you can't even hit the rep scheme that I'm asking of you. Um, so and then, so I'll use all sorts of ranges. I've used 10 to 15, 8 to 12, 5 to 8 is one of my favorites, I think. Uh, it's heavy enough to start building some of that strength, but still enough to, to build more of the muscle. Um, and then three to six, two to five, one to three are really the, the ranges that I'll use with, again, the understanding of you hit that top number, you got to go up. If you can't hit that top number, you stay there. And if you can't hit the bottom number, don't go up. And then also the instruction, and this is where we run into issues, especially with some of the boys who want, uh, who want some of the ego lifting. Don't cut a rep short or a set short. If the goal is eight to 12, your goal is 12. Don't stop at 10 because you want to go up. That's earn your right to go up. You got to get 12. Yeah, uh, absolutely. And, and are you switching around the rep ranges uh, depending on the season that they're in or yeah. does it just flow? Cause I know that APRE, you can go from that hypertrophy range of 10 and then go all the way down to three. I think there's an outline in the book. Is there something that you do in terms of that? Yeah. So depending on the season and depending on what it, what the movement is, so your major lifts, absolutely. I'm going to start 10 to 15 uh, or even 8 to 12. I'll give you the example. The boys are about to get their summer packet today or tomorrow. Um, they've got squats, right? We're going to we're gonna move them back into squats. We're trying to build some muscle. They're in 8 to 12 range. Mm -hmm. Now, in season, right, that just ended, so even two months ago, they still had an 8 to 12 rep range. It just wasn't on squats. It was on rear delt flies or, or tricep extension right? Something small, something easy to recover from to help build the muscle of our, of our smaller movements and, and help them recover as well as stay strong in those smaller movements and smaller muscles. Yeah. There's, I think 
some benefit from training those robustness muscles, just taking load from the amount of shooting that I'm sure the guys do having some built up upper back or built up triceps is going to help sustain the amount of volume that they're doing in there. Right. And so I'm not sure you run into it too much with lacrosse players, but I'm sure there's an issue with it in other sports where an athlete may just be too strong. Like I'll give an example of this one kid that uh, pisses me off in our private sector because he's <laughs> and he just keeps one he he just one rep maxes every single lift that we have and so we're running APRE and it's supposed to be six and he just keeps turning it into one and just being like oops I put on too much um, but he's sixteen and deadlifting about five fifty right now and mm-hmm. so we're we're trying to pull him off there how strong is too strong in your opinion and what's the threshold that you're looking at for most of your guys. I, I don't know that I have enough experience in lacrosse to have a good answer for that. Um, yeah, because it may depend I know on the position. It's going to depend on the position. It's going to depend on the sport. It's like there's so many factors in that. Um, I'll give you the example. When I was at Southern, I helped with football. We had some linemen, big, big dudes. Uh, the one in particular was, I think, 6'9". He himself weighed 320, I believe, mm-hmm. squatting 550. Very strong man it looked painful right? because of how tall he was and how long his legs were. 550 at that point, what, what's the benefit of going 600? And, and the head strength coach at the time decided not much, moved him to a lot of single leg work. I haven't found that so far with lacrosse. Um, I do have a handful of kids who are pushing 400 on squat. I've got one that's over. And uh, I think I would like that to be the threshold. I'd like 400 to be the threshold because if you can squat more than that, I'd, you're not going to get much more. However, the problem I see with that is like this kid loves lifting. If I pull him away from heavy squats, he's going to do exactly where your dude does. And he's going to go off by himself and max out every week because he wants to. Mm-hmm. So now I've got this trade off of, do I cut him off? Because I know in my head, that's probably good enough. And if I do these other things, it'll help him knowing he's going to go do this other thing on his own, or do I just keep control of it and just let him push as hard as he wants? And I think to me, I would rather keep control of it. He trusts me enough that if I say, Hey, we're, we're going to get to heavy work in a few months. I need you in, in that eight to 12 range. He'll do it. He trusts me enough that he's going to do it. But if I say, Hey, we're not going to do any more heavy squatting until next year that's not going to fly with him. He's going to go off on his own. And I'd rather keep control that way. I know how much stress is on him. I know what to expect on any given day for him. I know how to modulate around. If he's starting to feel like trash, I know what to do because I know everything he's doing. Um, So I guess the, the convenient answer is, I don't know if there's such a thing as too strong. I'm sure there is. I would like to say around 400 on squat for me is good enough. If you can bench over like 275, because I don't know how much more you're going to get out of that. Um, I would like to give you these answers, but yeah. ultimately it's going to depend on the athlete and whether or not you can still control them if you move them away to other things to help build them stronger. Yeah, lacrosse is a really bizarre sport too, because there are guys who have been the best in the world and not touched a weight. And then there's been Correct. guys that, the, for, for example, the best player in the world right now, in my opinion, just does a bunch of kettlebell flows on his Instagram and I'm sure it's fantastic for him and he feels good. And then there's another guy who was previously the best in the world, 
that in college was benching 315 and squatting 500. Same position, different styles of play, and I think that's where it varies is just what style are you playing? Are you going to lower your head like an astronauting on, on your side mm-hmm. or are you weaving through everybody? Um, are there any speed qualities that you're looking at to, to monitor how strength affects that speed? Because I'm sure that in the football realm, if you're getting too strong, you may start to diminish some of those speed numbers. And you're absolutely right by that. Um, so we we're working on getting, it's called elite form. I don't know if you know what it is. Yeah. I've um, heard about it. Okay. So we have some in the arena, but we don't have some down in this weight room where I train lacrosse and we're working on getting some. Um, so the only metric I have right now for them is just me eyeballing it. And now fortunately my time as a power lifter, I have, I was able to develop a decent gauge as to, are you moving fast enough for this to get me what I want? Um, I would like an objective measure, but I don't have that right now. So I more or less look at it and say, Hey, I need you guys moving fast in these sets in this season, um, which was a lot of our spring and, and in season was, I don't need it to be heavy. I need you to move fast. If you can move fast and heavy, go for it. But I need you to move fast first. Um, so for the most part, it's just me eyeballing it and saying, Hey, that's fast enough. Or you gotta, you gotta go lighter cause you're not moving. And uh, you can also, I mean, you can use percentages. Uh, the problem with that is like, if you use me, for example, I'm not a fast mover. So if you go purely off percentages, I'm going to be very, very slow. Correct. So now what, what do you do with that at that point? And so to me, it's better. Are you moving fast? I'm going to give you a rough starting point of this percentage. We'll play off of it from there. But the only metrics, like I said, that I have access to right now is just me hopefully knowing how fast is fast enough yeah and i think that's that's a better tool to use in some points than percentages because a 65 percent may move fast on one day but like we've talked about if you're not recovering optimally or maybe you're in finals week 65 may move very very slow compared to the to the week before so absolutely uh, better to have your eyes on everything than to just trust the percentages are going to work out the best So you talked about you guys have a speed day and you guys have an Olympic day. Do Mm -hmm. you want to go over what the difference between two of those are? Is one more power strength and one's more pure speed? Or how do you split up the two in terms of CNS and um, using uh, developing those athletic qualities? Yeah. So uh, for us, like I said, we do three days um, and I'm going to do Olympics on at very least two. Um, So we're going to do, we're going to do our heavy cleans and squats on Monday because that's going to be our max effort. That's going to be our heavy day. Um, I like to use the cleans as a potentiation for squats. If you're already used to moving heavyish weights quickly, then when you get to really heavy, you should be moving a little bit faster. Whether or not that's actually how that works. Like I said earlier, I don't know, but it works well in my head. And so far yeah. it's working well for that. Right. Yeah. Uh, so we'll come back then on Tuesday at least in season Tuesday, probably Wednesday out of season. And uh, we're going to have our low intensity for lower body. And that's when we're going to heavy bench. Um, if I have any power output, it's going to be some body weight jumps, maybe some kettlebell swings. Um, but that's going to be where we do a lot of our lower body mobility and recovery and just position work. Um, like I said, with the, the heel elevated, that's where we're going to do our split squats because it, it's really not that heavy. And then we'll come back um, Thursday or Friday, and that's going to be our speed day. And so I really like 
of course, being a powerlifter. I really like sumo deadlift for the guys. Um, it, it forces them to apply force out and laterally versus just straight down, which they already get in squats. They already get in cleans. They already get in snatch. Uh, it lets them apply a, a lateral force that I think translates well into cutting and agility work. Um, so we're going to do that and we're going to snatch that on Thursday or Friday. And that's going to be our moderate intensity, our speed day. Uh, it's still heavy enough to put load on them, but it's not a heavy day. And so that's where you, that's where I've run into the most trouble of the boys wanting to go too heavy and not moving quick enough, but that's easy enough. If they, if they trust you enough, just say, Hey, you got to go down. You're not moving as fast as I want. And they'll say, they'll tell you that they can do it faster. All right. You get this next one. If it's not faster, you're going down. Right. And yeah, 99% of the time it will be faster. Oh yeah, absolutely. Some motivation of, cause there's always that competition in the weight room between other exactly. athletes, you know, if their buddy is at a certain weight, they're going to try their hardest to stay at that certain weight. So that's funny that you had mentioned that. And do you feel mm-hmm. that some of the modalities that you're using, like the floating heel, because it limits load, is that a benefit to the recovery of the guys because they're not able to move as much weight, but they're still feeling like the workload is as high? That's, that's the goal. That's the yeah. intent of that. And uh, so far from what they've said, it's doing exactly that, and it's doing what I want. And uh, if it's not, then it's doing well enough that I don't need to change it yet. Yeah, so what, what can you say about the – just to talk about – the intensity of the days how would you break up the intensity of the days it sounds like it is and i and you may have said it i may have just glanced over it um high intensity for the first day and then would you say that low intensity then high so it's more of a high low high it should the intent is to be high low moderate high low medium um depending like early early preseason like when we were january it was probably closer to high low high and then by the end of season, uh, like even three weeks ago, it was probably closer to high-low-low. Low. But the intent right. is to be high-low-medium and then go off of that depending on how they're feeling coming into that game that weekend. Right. I mean, yeah, if the goal is just to maintain all those qualities, then it shouldn't require too much extra emphasis on, on the strength and on the movements. Right. Uh, when you got in, I know pre- the previous coach had been a big – Olympic weightlifting guy. And so I'm sure their form is okay. But did you find that there had to be an introductory period with yourself when it came to the Olympic movements? Yes. Um, there's just a, a couple, there were a couple bad habits across the board that I didn't like. Um, that is, that was unique to how I learned from Ty Webb, who's now at, um, Notre Dame, Purdue, Notre Dame. I believe one of the really big schools. Yeah. Yeah. One of the big football schools. He was adamant. You're going to teach it this way. And this is the correct way. And this is the only way. Um, And so there were a couple of things that I knew Webb would disapprove of that I took and was like, you guys are going to fix this and we're going to do this as a team now. Uh, And the easiest way that I found to do that was just do a lot of low and high pulls. And so it was a lot of, you're going to do two low pulls and then three hand cleans and you're going to do five low pulls one high pull and then two hand cleans and just fixing the, the hip extension, or I guess not even fixing it, but changing how they got into that hip extension. I saw astronomical differences in how they moved, how comfortable they moved. And then of course they're ultimately their, their weight room PRs. 
And there was there any concern for you in season for, and this is just me asking, uh, wrist injuries or anything during the Olympic lifts, or did you change the amount of catches that they would get? Like you'd said that it could be two to one on the catches. Um, are you limiting the amount of times they're catching it on their shoulders just for safety's sake? I had that concern going into probably Christmas break and early season. And then coming probably end of January, early February, right when the season started, they were doing really well. They wanted to keep it. They asked if they could keep it. Right. And I, I talked to them like adults because they are, of mm-hmm. this is my concern. And if it becomes an issue, we're cutting it. And they said, we're fine with that. And so they wanted to keep it. I let them keep it. I did have that concern probably through mid to late March. And then at that point they had done so well, I didn't have any wrist injuries because of how many times they were catching that I was able to just let them go and do what they wanted to do. And they felt better. And so I'm fine with that. Awesome. Yeah, no, that's, I mean, that's a, that's a really good answer for a really complex question or a really difficult question for most coaches. Yeah. And just let the boys run if they're, if they're doing well with it. Um, And so I guess moving forward to the last little bit, we had talked more about just continuing education and different things. I mean, it mm-hmm. sounds like you talk like, I'm not sure. Do you have your USAW? I do not actually. Yeah. You just, you just learn from one of the best. So that's learn from one of the best to learn from the best and right. made sure that I kept my skills sharp. Right. So what are your favorite resources for continuing education? Are you one of the strength coach network guys or just an NSCA junkie or what are you digesting on a daily basis to make sure that you're staying up to date? Actually, I'm going to be honest, my favorite continuing ed is not a true continuing ed, and that is talking shit to my athletes. Absolutely. I don't they're, think you get any better. No, they're, they're adults. Some of them are in exercise science and related majors, and they have thoughts and feelings and opinions. And so just walking out and saying something dumb to somebody and seeing what their response is and making them justify why they want to do it that way and me telling them, well, I want to do it this way because of X, Y, and Z having a stronger opinion, but also hearing theirs to me is the, the best thing I, I can do for myself because they are smart. Like I, everyone wants to say athletes are dumb. And honestly, a lot of times they can be dumb, but they are actually really smart. And just talking to them and, and justifying everything to them helps me stay, stay on my game. Uh, I, do, I do go through the Strength Coach Network. Um, I, sometimes I find it hard to find the answers I'm looking for. I ran ultimately problem. Yeah. Ultimately, like if you find a thread that you're, you're interested in, there are a lot of good answers and there are a lot of good resources within it um, that I'm, I'm not upset about that when I can't find an answer. It's not really to me a big deal. Yeah. And then uh, I think the other thing, probably the biggest one that I use, because I have the attention span of a squirrel, I will um, just get on Instagram and I follow a lot of coaches and I see what they're doing and I'll just sit there and think about it. And I'll talk to my coworkers and be like, Hey, what do you think about this? I saw this from this guy. Um, I like it because of X, Y, and Z, but I don't like it because of A, B, and C. And, and what do you, what are your thoughts on it? Um, Cause like I said, I, I have the attention span of a squirrel. So for me to go through a podcast, I will hear a sentence and I'll think about it. And then I'll realize that it's been 20 minutes and I missed all of the podcast. Yep. yep. And so like, what do you do? Start it over and listen to the second sentence and do the same thing. I'm not going to do that. And then, so I do try to read because I can focus a little better on that, but otherwise talking shit to my athlete and uh, Instagrams and and talking to other coaches are probably my favorite ways to stay on top of shit. 
I, yeah, it's a super valuable tool to just be able to talk to some of these college kids. I think it's a little different because I'll have some conversations with some exercise science majors and you can have some thoughtful, in-depth convos with them. Absolutely. Uh, the high schoolers that I try to talk shit to. Like, <laughs> hey, coach, I've, this, this one guy on TikTok is saying that we can't do this. And I'm just like, are you like, are you kidding? Is that a joke? And they're like, TikTok no, like, is not a useful resource. No, 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 no. It's brutal. It's brutal. Cause it's just like, they're just following bodybuilding guys. They're not yep. even following performance coaches. It's just like, coach, when we're doing bent over rows, he said to use this grip to increase my lat activation. And I'm just like, Oh my God, that's not the point. That's um, not what we're trying to do here. And yeah. that's honestly like a good answer is like, you know what that person's right that's not what our goal is yeah done you're probably right i just i just end up talking like too much shit and then uh, sometimes that is a struggle yeah it really is yeah it's hard i've had i've had some of my athletes be like hey this dude said this what are your thoughts on it and i'll just like go through and like a google search or google scholar and you can find 15 articles on why that's dumb and i'll shoot them off with an explanation of each one and I've done that for a, a couple of athletes for a couple of different things. And they're like, well, you're right. Okay. Not listening to that dude again. Yeah. That's smart too. That's smart too. I, I, I get the, and again, you're dealing with mostly college kids. If I try to speak at any sort of a high level to the middle schoolers I train or the high schoolers mm-hmm. I train, they just kind of turn off and they're like, okay, you're right. I get it. I'll go, I'll go back to my hole now. Yeah. Um, and it's funny. Well, so you had talked about hopefully getting some more objective measures about what you really want to track and whatnot. What is next for the high point programs in terms of strength and conditioning? So I don't know if you're aware of this. Just when I started, um, there was a massive turnover in three of us, including our head guy, are new. So we're all just trying to figure that out ourselves. Um, we're working on getting an intern program here. We had talked about a GA position, which we're not sure we can do because we don't have an exercise science master's program. Yeah. So we don't know if we can do that. Um, and then we're settling down to, are we going to be the staff that does a weekly or bi-weekly meeting and somebody presents, or are we just going to talk about things as they come up? We're still figuring that out as a staff. Um, Cause like I said, we're all, I mean, now we've been here six months. So three out of four of us have been here six months and we're trying to, figure out our roles here and what we can do. But um, like I said, we are getting an intern and we're looking at being able to expand that and making it a full curriculum and potentially even like a year long thing for some of our students here. Yeah. And I may be mistaken too. Is, is high point going over some renovations? I think I saw a billboard at some time that was, that was some graduate programs and, who someone's getting a new stadium or someone's getting a new weight room. Uh, that was most likely the new arena that opened a couple months ago and then okay. the weight room up in there. Um, otherwise there's no new weight room that I am aware of. We are opening a couple, a couple new graduate programs, including a dental and I believe a doctorate of nursing program. Yeah. And those buildings are going to be built. Uh, we're adding new housing because we're more or less at max capacity, which is astounding, but we are. So we're adding more housing and uh, we're high point is always doing more renovations, which is a credit to the president. He is always, always trying to expand and, and add more for the students to make this the best university it can possibly be. 
Yeah, it's wild. I, I'd recommend anyone who's in the area to just just drive through and see what you can find. Yeah, reach out yeah. to me. I'm glad yeah. to bring someone through if they want to see it. Yeah, I was. I had said that, and then I was like, "Well, you may not be able to get into the gates, but if you know a guy, yes, exactly." Uh, is if there anything else someone. you want to plug? I think that's it. Just High Point University is great. I'm yeah. we're we're having a great time. I'm having a great time. I'm really happy to be here. Yeah. Do you get free Starbucks meal swipes yet? Uh, kind of. We okay. we more or less get a, a semester stipend, I guess is nice. the best way to put it, that we can use at the on-campus Starbucks, which awesome. has been a lifesaver on many a day. Awesome. Awesome. Well, I, I appreciate you hopping on, Andrew. If you wanted to follow Andrew on Instagram or anything, check him out. I think it's Went Strong, yeah. if I'm not mistaken. And then drop by High Point if you need a, uh, a humbling experience on some college kids that drive better cars than you could ever dream of. Correct. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you, Andrew. I appreciate this. Thanks for having me on. It was a good time. Of course. Thank you.